Blog Talk Radio. Uh, good evening and welcome once again to the genie bottle floating in space, uh, Madam Perry Salon. I am your host, your groove mistress, and your spiritual advisor, Madam Perry, but you can call me Jen, Jennifer, musicians usually call me JP um, Perry. I'm just happy to be here and happy that you're here. We've been having so much fun. Um, all my guests are fun, so people tell me, and uh, I, I'm just very happy and tonight believe me is no exception so oh um to cover some things people have been asking about david fishoff was on um i think it was before lita ford that's right before lita ford was because we had asked her a question about him but uh david fishoff the uh, rock and roll fantasy camps are back on and you know before when he was here he said if you sign up for rock and roll fantasy camp and mention madam perry sent you there's going to be a free guitar waiting there for you. So don't forget, you can go down there and play with your friends. I think there's a lot of people down there. I think Roger Daltrey's there a lot. I think leading there's going to be a lot of uh, female musicians there. So it's a good time. Also, uh, Tina McElroy Ansa, filmmaker, author, she and her friend, uh, producer and writer, Want to see Floyd were on. They have a new podcast of their own after being on here with me and my best friend. They started one. It's called uh, Two Old Chicks That Know a Lot of Shit. Find it on Spotify and they are they are fun. So all right, kids. Here it goes. Oh, oh yes, and one more thing. Somebody else asked about Franny Goldie and the magic pants. Franny Goldie that wrote uh Stick With You, Pussycat Dolls, Dreaming for Serena, Selena, and Night Shift for the Commodores. Her clothes, I've used to go to her website, Franny, F-R-A-N-N-E-G-O-L-D-E.com. And whether you buy the magic pants that you see in Oprah Magazine or on The View or anything else, put MPS, the initials for Madam Perry Salon, in for your uh, code for your discount. And you'll get it. Yeah, you'll get a discount, all right. So. That's pretty nice. Anyway, I am so been having so much fun with uh, guests, and tonight somebody that I am thrilled to have on. Been trying to get on for a while. Well, not trying with her because it's my fault. I was the one that took off for a month. But uh, a musician, band leader, singer. Uh, you know, I told you this was the. Um, this was the electric chart. This is a uh, chart. This is a defibrillator that we need now, babies, is this lady. And uh, co-written songs with John Bon Jovi, Billy Falcon, little uh, Stephen Van Zandt, you know. And she was signed to the E Street Band uh, Wicked Cool Records. I mean, it, you just don't get any cooler than this. So I am obviously introducing for the first time and hopefully not the last and Madam Perry Salon, Zuzu of Soraya. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me, Madam Perry. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, I am delighted. That's probably your first time in a genie bottle. I hope you find a big cushion, get comfortable. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love being in a genie bottle, actually. So thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't even know it was until one of my first guests years ago went back and told everyone on social media, I've been to Madame Perry's salon. It looks like the inside of Jeannie's bottle. So after that, yeah. Um, yeah. Then we I was all thinking knew. How, how soft-spoken you are and, like, your voice is hypnotizing. I was listening to you talk in the beginning. I was like, wow, this is really relaxing. And what a journey. It feels like I'm on a journey already. So this is great. Wow. Hypnotizing. Wow, that's uh, that, that's great to hear. There's uh, there's some big money in those kind of tapes and stuff. Um, yeah. 
Well, maybe there the next are. time I, there is, I should say. <laughs> next time I'm at the bank in person or something. Uh-huh. You want to go ahead and get 10 G's, don't you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you're based in, in Philadelphia, right? Yeah. Okay. Philadelphia, and, uh, born and bred. Yeah. All right. But you've got a more mm-hmm. exotic background, but we'll we'll get into that later. Not that Philadelphia doesn't have some exotica, but um, yeah. we'll get into that later. Zuzu, let me pronounce this. Mansoor, is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Oh. All right. You're not just being nice and saying, bless your heart, are you, in there? No way. No, no. <laughs> okay. The people have massacred my first name so my whole life, so believe me, I'm used to correcting. But, yeah, Zuzu Mansour. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Zuzu um, is well, – tell us about the band, the members of the band, and what they play. Sure. Um, well, Travis Smith has been with me the longest, pretty much since Soraya began, early beginnings at open mics and things like that. Travis is my main co-writer. Um, I write most of the songs with him. And then we have Brianna Sig, who's been with me probably the second longest, who uh, is our drummer. Um, and she also co-wrote some songs with me for the last record, uh, Dig Your Roots. And then uh, she's been, they're, they're like my touring band, my rehearsal band, my studio band. Like we're, we're, we are Soraya. So, um, and then, uh, currently, we have Mike Dudlovich on uh, guitar, and we have John Hildenbrand on keys, and he's been with us a while, too. Mike, we've known a long time. He was in a band called The Nuclears, um, started playing with us during quarantine, and is playing with us now live. So everything's going great. <laughs> That's the current right. number. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way we like it. So <laughs> how long has Soraya been together as a band, and how long have you been performing before that? Well, I started doing open mics at uh, very like, like back in 2000, the end of 2001. I think it was December of 2001. I started showing up at open mics once a week, and I'd prepare like one cover song, and um, and then I, that was such a big deal. I'd spend like the whole week, you know, learning it. And then Soraya is, you know, my full name, but it's also what I wanted the band to be known as because it's an Arabic uh, word for one of the stars in the Pleiades constellation. That's the blue. Um, strongest star, most guiding energy. And to me, that's what I always wanted from a band. I wanted a band that had like that together. We were powerful. Like if, even if each of us had our own thing, like together we, we created something unique and collaborative and a team um, that really was a family and could be there for each other. Um, and that's what, that's what Soraya is. So I, I Soraya has been my whole life, but Soraya I'd say as a band really started around uh, Travis joined in 07 and uh, and then we just started getting serious, I'd say, around um, 11, 10 and 11, so for like the last 10 years. And uh, that's when I met uh, and started working with John Bon Jovi and Billy Falcon and really working on the craft of songwriting for three or four years between 10 and 13. And then 13 on, we've been going at it. Well, Steven's been involved since 16. So, um, yeah, we've been we've been a band a while, so. Yeah, no kidding. I love the part about uh, your name, uh, Soraya, and being the band name, uh, the reference to uh, Pleiades. That's what the Seven yeah. Sisters Star constellation. Yep. Yeah. 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 And uh, isn't that? Uh, first of all, I like it because it's uh, it's it takes the idea of community to a whole astronomically different level. Yeah. And, yeah. and has a different energy to it, a different kind of brightness and energy. Isn't um, isn't Pleiades supposed to be seen sometime this week or next week? You know, I, I have no idea, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going like to Google that as soon as I get off this, right? Because uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to. I mean, that would be really awful of me if I didn't either know or see it at some point. So um, I've looked it up enough, you know, trying to okay. find deeper. I think that's the one. I do some social media for some um, aerospace companies, and so I'll try to keep up. Whenever I see somebody else say, oh, I better say that too, you know, I, be- I got to get on that. So, um, yeah, but that, that's extremely cool. Do you mind if I ask? I know that you have a very um, fabulously exotic background in your family. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, I, I was like waiting for something else. Uh, yeah, I do. I um, my father was um, uh, Egypt was born in Egypt, and uh, he had and my mother was born in Belgium, 
so both of them uh, met here in the United States, mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. Uh, and they had already been previously married and had families in their respective countries. Um, actually, my mom moved here and had married someone here. And then, anyway, they met each other after they both had been, you know, separated and divorced. And, and uh, they, they, I am the byproduct of that. <laughs> but, yeah, I, um, so I have this whole side of my family in Egypt that, you know, um, that I really grew up with. Like they were, I, every year my half-brother and half-sister would come from Egypt and spend the summers here with us mm-hmm. uh, from the time I was like six or seven years old. And then when I was 11, we, my father started taking me to Egypt with him, and I'd spend the summers in Egypt. And um, so I have this huge family in Egypt that I see all the time. I went to Belgium only once, but my family in Belgium, too, is very, we just speak as often as we can. And... Um, but I visit Egypt definitely once a year due to COVID. I haven't been there in two years, but I'm planning on going again later this year. But yeah, I, I consider like I, I grew up with that family as well as growing up here. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a beautiful thing to see other cultures and how they're very different, you know, um, in, in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, um, but also very much the same. And I think knowing and growing up in different cultures and with different cultural backgrounds with your parents it's it just really helped me keep an open mind with a lot of things see a lot of possibilities um both my parents were from very different economic backgrounds so that was interesting too and only as an adult are you able to like understand a lot of that you know when you're a kid you don't know that stuff but I'm grateful you know I'm grateful for that heritage I'm grateful and interested it's caused me to be very interested in the history and the culture of the areas um that my parents are from We've gone to Europe a few times. Well, I should say once, but for a long time um, with Soraya. And we're going again later this year. And, you know, it's just part of, like, that whole thing. I feel like that exotic name deserves some <laughs> exotic times, too. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. part of who I, I am, I, part of what's spelled into me. So I don't want to say, I, this sounds so cliche, but I, I just feel like it's just such a rich cultural um, inheritance. It is. I, I mean, I, I grew up listening to, my father listened to Arabic music um, a lot. Uh, so I heard those keys, uh, which are very different scale-wise than American music, most modern American music and the American music I grew up on. Um, though I think grunge was kind of closing in on some of it <laughs> a little bit. Um but yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, just hearing that from a really young age and then also my mom, they both love like early American bands. Like my, my dad loved the Beatles. He loved country music. Um, mm-hmm. So I heard a lot of that uh, too. But my mother loved Elvis Presley, loved Elvis Presley, loved like the 60s, 50s and mm-hmm. 60s, I think, uh, like artists. She was a big fan of those and she used to dance all the time, listening to records. <laughs> Um, she was like, turned me on to those artists like Johnny Mathis and, and, um, Elvis Presley. And, and I was no fan of Elvis until I became an adult anyway, but, um, <laughs> run around Sue, she'd always play for me as a kid and, uh, sing it to me. So, I mean, I, I came from a lot of music, uh, you know, and I'm a big vinyl fan today. Thanks to a lot of friends that I've met in, in music, but also because my parents were fans of music, you know, they grew up or I grew up listening to a lot of music, um, but it definitely, I definitely notice when I sing, I, I lean towards an Arabic uh, style, I guess. If you heard, like, Omar Kalsoum, um, there were the four M's, which was, uh, they sang the song Kida Wala Kida, a uh, really beautiful song, like, catchy, catchy song. And so, I mean, I was, again, lucky enough to have that cultural um, background growing up, made things a little different in how I approached how I sang, you know. Well, you know, because yeah. I was learning that you have such a, um, you know, like like a lot of people now, uh, and, and I'm going to say this, um, a lot of people who are my age, uh, which is a little beyond 29, they seem to think, oh, the young people don't do this, they don't, they don't know this, but I am thoroughly impressed with generations younger than me, because they take from so many different cultures and styles, and they're so open. To different styles, and I, I, I love that. But you have such—I um, mean, you've got 
influences from, you know, from, from I guess, the, from the Beatles and from, you said, um, oh, gosh, I'm trying to think. So, you know, Grunge, Buddy Holly, Soundgarden. Uh, yeah, Grunge. But, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love Soundgarden. Oh, God. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, your name's one of my favorites. So. Oh, yeah. Oh. I, I was listening to an interview uh, where, where you were talking about them and some different bands. And, yeah, and then I'm thinking, but there's something, something, something else. And now I understand, you know, with the bit, with the uh, – with the Arabic music in the background too, which I mostly yeah. know from friends who are, are belly dancers, you know, they play different music. That's where I started to learn or hear different music. And, yeah. uh, which is fantastic. But I think, yeah. Okay. Cause I keep thinking, but her, she's got a style all her own. So, um, yeah, it's very, um, drum heavy. Um, a lot of Arabic music is very drum heavy and I'm talking like percussion, percussive drums more so. Um, you know, if you go to their weddings there, they're like night, night long celebrations. Like they don't go to sleep until like 6am. It's crazy. And they're like <laughs> Muslims, so they don't drink either. It's just like, these people know how to party and they party all night long. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just like a, it, the, the closest I felt like uh, Egypt was Spain. Like Spain was very much like that. Like very, um, just that that romantic, like living life kind of passion on a daily basis. You know, like yeah, yeah somehow they also work and do everything we do. But it's just um, my sister had told me last time I was in Egypt that the reason it's that the Arabic culture is mostly nighttime is because how hot it is. And I said, like, get out of here. Uh, so I hope I'm not mis- misrepresenting here, but I think it's because it's so hot that 6 p.m., 7 p.m., it starts getting darker, and then, you know, people can go out more. I was like, well, that makes sense because I'm a vampire, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> I'm all about that. <laughs> anyway, I off topic you like eight minutes ago, so I'll let you um, reclaim the, <laughs> the interview. No, back no. Again. Sister, this is all about you. Um, and, I, you know, and people, listen, I have been getting such response from people, and people calling me on the phone, too, going, this is Soraya. Soraya Soraya's going to be, yeah, 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 she is. And I kept thinking, oh, Soraya, please don't be kidding me. Please don't have your account hacked and say, yeah, I'll be on your show, and it's not you. So, uh, oh. yeah, got a <laughs> lot, you. got a lot. Just when, when somebody on, on LinkedIn, just all they wrote was love them with capital letters. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. That feels yeah. so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did have something I was going to ask, and it, it's just, but, oh, but talking about Europe, though, yeah, now, I've never been to Egypt yet, but um, in 2004, I went to Spain, to Madrid for a month that's to good. do uh, um, study abroad. Right. And for a month, it's like an entire semester squeezed into three and a half weeks. And so, you know, the weekends would go out and travel. And the thing is, is other students, like I was probably the age of their parents or older. But, you know, I had a group that took me and took me out, you know, like my own little gangs. And yeah. I, we would get out <laughs> at night. And then there would be, yeah, people just playing music and doing different kinds of uh, fire batons and eating fires and yeah. stuff like that and yeah. dancing. And um, at that time, I still had a jazz band that played, and I was like, oh, I found my place. I found my groove. And just <laughs> all this time while I sat and took care of everybody else's purses and stuff while they got drunk, I said, okay, kids, this is mama's time. Okay, I got to get in here and get some of this. <laughs> so, uh, that's yeah. Right. That's right. <laughs> I got in and just had, I just said, wilder band. And had, you know, because you can. And uh, it's, it's yes. It's de rigueur. Um, yeah. And it's, just, it's, and it's very, uh, my soul. Music heavy there. I remember people singing. I was asleep. I think it was like one thirty or 2 in the morning, and they were singing, like, outside. Like, I could open the window, which, of course, didn't have a window. It was just, like, a wood thing. And I opened it, and they were singing in the street. And I'm like, Spain is a place for me. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> what a feeling. Like, you know, like, this is awesome. So I can relate. And, yeah. Of course, probably another reason. The thing about the heat, the temperature, that's, that's, that's valid. That sounds, you know, valid, legit. But also, got to admit, though, a lot of European countries, uh, you know, they have, like, you work for so many hours, and then you go home and have um, siesta, take a nap, whatever, and then go back and work a little more, and then go out and eat late and dance. That sounds so much more healthy and civilized. 
Yeah, I agree. <laughs> sounds like a lot more fun anyway. I don't know. I mean, it's my job, but I still wouldn't mind doing all that. So, you know, I think there's like that less, like, especially East Coast, we have like a very like rush, rush, move, move mentality, you know. So um, it's, uh, that's a very different style of living, but I feel like they get just as much accomplished, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think I so. I figured it out. Oh, by the way, this is, I should have said already, um, if you're listening to us live here on August 2nd, 2021, it's a little after 8 p.m. Eastern, and you're listening to Soraya uh, here on Madame Perry Salon. If you have a question, comment, you can always call in 646-716-9922. It's a toll-free call in the continental U.S., so 646 646- 716-9922, or for the people, um, you know who you are in situations where you can't make a phone call, maybe it's a job, or maybe you got to be quiet because your roommate's studying or something, uh, you can always, always message me on Facebook, either through Madam Perry Salon or Jennifer Maudette Perry, and I will gladly relay your comment or question to Suzu. Now, What's it like when you write with somebody else like John Bon Jovi? Uh, um, well, when I wrote ben- with him, yeah, well, Stephen, I wrote with well Al, probably the first like writer that I worked with that was that knew that knew the craft of songwriting. You know, I I knew raw ability and raw emotion, and I knew how to put that into words to a degree. Um, I remember when I first started writing with him, my big thing with him uh, was. You know, I always add these third verses because I feel like I have to finish the story because I, I came up with very, very literature heavy, very story oriented writing. I, I wanted to be a writer, writer, um, like story writer first before. I, I always wanted to be a singer since second grade, but for some reason I thought I should be a writer. Um, I get to do both now, but I mm-hmm. was always in this story mentality, and I told him that, and he's like, it, not everything has to resolve, especially in a song. I remember him telling me that. And then the first song we wrote together was a song called uh, Good Ain't Good Enough. And I remember, um, you know, I, I thought I have John Bon Jovi in a room, a successful songwriter, a very successful, uh, popular songwriter. Um, I know he's also a popular artist, but I was interested in the writing aspect of it. So. It's, you know, when you're meeting somebody on that level, um, that this is basically a mentor at this point and you're the student, I took advantage of that and, and I remember everything. I, I, I draw out melodies rather than record them sometimes. I just draw them because I see things very visually. Um, so I remember when we were writing uh, one of the songs, just the way he ended the line of a song was something that he taught me. You know, so it's not like Spoon Moon June, like everything isn't exactly the same in parallel, you know, and that's how I was writing at the time. Um, you know, just throwing a few things, I mean, I shouldn't make it that simple, but but there were like words you could add in that you could, you know, change the dynamic and rhythm of the cadence of the of the of the melody line without deviating too much. So there was a lot I learned from him. It was much more mentor to student uh, situation when I wrote with him. By the last song we wrote together, which was Hello, which I still consider one of the most beautiful songs I've ever written. Um, I, you know, just the story of it. um, I started learning that I didn't have to be the main character all the time. You know, I had all this, like, this energy, like all these, stories to pull from from my life but I also realized I didn't always have to be the the main character but my message was always the same and he he knew what my message was and what my purpose was so he helped me create characters and do that in songwriting which again is a very crafted thing and like you know he did it in living on a prayer many many years ago and you know he taught me how to do that with hello and other songs we wrote together Um, but by that point we're a little more on I wouldn't say equal footing, but we were closer, you know, so I'd written like 10 or 12 songs to them. And by that point, um, they're all on, well, a lot of them are in the Valley of Love and Guns. A lot of them were never released actually. And I was thinking of doing the, de- releasing the demos at some point after the next album. Um, just, you know, now that we have a nice back catalog with plenty of songs we never released. Some I wrote with him, some I wrote with Billy Falcon. I, I started writing with Billy after I was writing with John because John was on tour and I really wanted to continue working on my writing. Um, and I wasn't playing much at this point. I was really writing. Um, I was writing with Travis as well. He was in my band then too. And we, we kept writing too. And 
our writing got better because my writing was getting better and he was hearing things and trying things differently than I was. So Billy uh, was the co-writer of John's and I met him and we started doing like marathon writing sessions. I'd spend three days or four days. We just write songs and I, I didn't want to, he did, but I didn't, I was like, Oh, we just wrote a great song. Let's sit back and like rest on our laurels a minute and be excited about it. He was on to the next song already, you know, and, but he was a very different type of writer. Like he wrote from a title line a lot. And then sometimes we didn't, but we started writing. He taught me how to, to write from a title line and from a first idea of a first uh, lyrical a lot of what I learned from him, I actually incorporate more because I start with, you know, a first line a lot out. Travis will send me something and I hear the music evokes some feeling or some story and I, I'm able to write. That's why I usually write with him because we have that chemistry going with he writes, he, his style of playing and his tone that he uses affects my brain enough to go like, oh, this sounds like a good line. This would work with this, you know. Um, I'm sure it, have that with film too. Like people can that love to work with the same director or love to work with the same group of people. I'm sure that they know you better. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah. And that, so by the time I got to Steven, I'd already had these experiences and I'd been writing with Travis a bunch. So I, first song I co-wrote with Steven was still, I rise. And that was in 2018. So this all had happened between 10 and 13. So, um, you know, I'd already had another five years under my belt of writing. And Stephen and I, I, you know, I remember saying to him, I, I, I read that poem, Still I Rise, by Maya Angelou, and I was like, you know, it's very empowering. Mm-hmm. It's very much about people getting up. Everyone can relate to that. And so, you know, I, I originally had called it I Am Rise, like the statement I am, because it's such a powerful thing to say. It's like, I like Still I Rise. And I was like, yeah, but that's the name of the poem. And he's like, I don't care. Like, it's a really good title. So we, we took that <laughs> title and we rewrote what I started writing and, he added so much. He was great to write with. Musically, I'm not the music person ever, so he was musically great to write with. His chord changes were amazing. and Just his, his pre-choruses and his choruses. And, um, you know, and then he'd write a line, and then I wrote a line. And he still wrote more of it than I did, but, but I had a lot more to contribute. You know, it wasn't me guessing what might work or guessing what he was doing, so I would try to mirror that, which happened a lot with John Bon Jovi. Um, but, you know, it showed my growth. And um, and I felt good about it. And I, and I felt confident sitting in a room with him writing. You know, I didn't feel that way necessarily with the other writers at that point. Um, and then when I sit with my co-writer today, and even when I, sit, when I sit with writers I don't typically write with, I just wrote with somebody who's not even in the band just to keep, you know, activating a good song idea. So we wrote, and then I write with Brianna. And they bring something different to the table, and it helps me grow as a writer, which to me helps me communicate better with, the audience and with other people on a different level. So, um, yeah, I, I love, I always think of it as your, I'm part scribe. <laughs> if nothing else, I'm <laughs> always going to write. So I'm like, just the day before I'm, I'm leaving this place, I'll definitely be writing still. So when, yeah. when you write, what is, is there a particular instrument you prefer to write on or play when you're writing? Um, yeah, no, I definitely am not a mute. Like I, I play drums and I play some piano, but I almost have, I think if I've written a song with my own music, I have never released it. Um, I always write with a musician. Um, I love doing, in fact, I'm terrified of writing to piano, although I just wrote a great song, I think was one of the best songs we've written together. Um, on piano and I used to be terrified if somebody would give me something on piano I'd be like mm, I can't write to that you know what I mean because I'm I, like I said earlier I totally listen to the tone of the instrument and I get my lyrics come from that like that's the way my brain responds to music so um I love listening to guitar um it can be acoustic I I probably write very differently to an acoustic than I would to an electric um, Travis, who I write with mostly now, always writes on electric. I don't think he's ever written on, or at least not the last record, since the last record, he hasn't written on acoustic. I love working with acoustic, too. Um, it gives a gentleness quality and just a different tone to the lyrics that come out. Um, but, yeah, I prefer guitar, some form of guitar. Yeah, speaking of what uh, – and, and thank you for answering that, because I didn't know if I asked it properly, because um, – because I'm not a musician. No, it's fine. Don't write music. And uh <laughs> yes, I I I had a jazz band and I 
have taken drum lessons to help me count as a jazz singer. And uh-huh. you, you you know the band jokes, I'm sure, the joke about how do you know when there's a chick singer at the door? Uh-uh. What is it? Um, she can't find the key and doesn't know when to come in. Me. <laughs> that's me. So... <laughs> <laughs> I have collected those jokes from musicians everywhere, everywhere. So uh, <laughs> you gotta laugh. <laughs> I think the other one my drum teacher said somebody told him was, uh, "Oh, I know what it was. I don't know if you remember the band Kansas." Yeah. Yep. Well, when he was with my drum teacher, Eskiel was playing with some of the members of Kansas. They would start off a joke when he was there. They never finished it, but they'd go, okay, there were three musicians and a drummer in the room, right? (laughs) 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 Or, or, you know, when the stage is level, the drummer drools out of both sides of his mouth. You know, stupid stuff like that. I guess those are like road jokes for musicians. (laughs) You know, I think that's for when when, when you're on the road and you need some jokes or whatever on tour yeah, Which, no, by the way, you know what they say to me they always what? say to me like oh what do you oh you're just carrying yourself in right now like they always kind of act like i'm like some kind of prima donna because i'm not carrying like you know anything more than a microphone and my body i'm like my instrument is in my body thank you very much and they're like uh-huh oh, yeah. uh-huh <laughs> so they give me a hard enough time with just that so yeah don't put stress on my instrument dude don't tell them don't, don't put stress on <laughs> right because it is a delicate instrument. Even yeah. strong, it can still be delicate. Which, by the way, yeah. that brings me to uh, great things are coming up. Uh, you're going in the studio next week, I believe, to start a new album. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell us about it. How awesome yeah. is that? I'm, I'm, like, really excited about it. It's, so much has happened just going back to live shows that I forgot. Kind of. I mean, I never forgot, but I never really was vocal about it. And I said, yeah, we're going in next week. We've already had, I've already had like a few talks with our producer and um, to everybody. And we've done rehearsals. And this week is all a bunch of rehearsals for that, actually. And then, yeah, Monday night we go in. So um, it's exciting and, and, you know, terrifying at the same time because you're always like, you always want to kind of, not competitively do better than your last record, but you just want to know that you grew since your last record, just in terms of trying things. And, and also like, you know, you just don't want to play it safe, but there's like this incredible pressure to play it safer, <laughs> like, you know, write another song like that one kind of thing or, or, you know, but uh, I don't know. Um, it's a weird line to walk, but I am very excited about it. Really excited. Okay. Um, and you're going on tour. I mean, a big tour. Yeah. Oh, I mean, just the fact that we're going anywhere at this point is really exciting to me because for oh, so God, long, yes. like, I, I would fight with people over when live music was coming back, and they were absolutely right about it. I always like, no, by fall of 2020, we'll be back. And I was like, nope. And then I was like, by spring of 2021, it's like, nope. Um, so, you know, our first show was in June, um, at the end of June. And, uh, and we've only done three. So it's, it's exciting. Every show is just really when you realize what you had and, you know, whereas before it was, okay, this is what I do. This is how I do it. It became rote and routine, even though it was still fun. There was a lot of rote routine and now you're back into it and you're, you're just grateful, um, grateful to be doing it, grateful for the opportunity, grateful for everybody that comes. Like there's a whole new level of gratitude. So yeah, we're, we're doing in California, a uh, week in California, and then we're doing um, two weeks in Sweden, and we're doing some dates in Lancaster. We're doing some dates uh, with Joan Jett at the end of November. In New York, we're doing dates. Philly, we're doing dates. Uh, we're doing a mini, just a weekend, a four-day uh, weekend tour of dates in Ohio, Detroit, um, uh, Detroit, and where the heck else are we going? God, why can't I think? Anyway, a weekend in early December, and then by then we'll be done for the year and uh, planning on our album coming out and doing a bigger tour around that. And a lot of the dates we had this year were moved to next year and next summer. Um, mm-hmm. So we're looking forward to doing those too. But, yeah, it's um, it's just good to be back doing what we do. I, I missed it, but when you get back to it, you realize how much you really gave up. Um, yeah, and you yeah. forgot. So it's powerful. <laughs> When um yeah, and by the way, if you if you want to know where they're going, uh you 
if you don't know, Soraya, S-O-R-A-I-A.com. And, of course, you know, I have already, but I will still be continuing to share all of this information on all of my social media, not just Madam Perry Salon, but also my personal uh, Jennifer Perry social media so that way you can find the tour and find everything else um yeah i see the tour uh, sept- uh september 11th uh yeah pacifica california then to lancaster uh or lancaster i believe is it sweden yeah sweden from october 28th through november 6th oh that is so cool um and different different cities there um Back to Bowery Electric and then Joan Jett and the Black Hearts. Oh, I, I'd love to go to that. Um, the Bowery Electric, you did you play that recently again? Well, I know you've played there. Yeah, but. that was our first show back. We did two sold out. Well, one sold out. The second one I don't think sold out. But um, two two shows there in one night. And then, uh, yeah, that was our first show back. Very exciting. And we did two live streams there during quarantine for the Neva Savior Stages Um we did it, you know, we we um, gave some of the proceeds to help Neva. The second one we did, the first one, I think, was just the first time they were having live streams, so we were just testing the waters. But, yeah, they stayed active. I was, I'm very um, I'm honored that they had us come and do the live streams um, and be a part of, you know, coming back. It's going to be a part of our history forever, you know. It's our, mm-hmm. Where we did our live streams and our first show live show back, we're never going to forget that. They, they've become very, we've come very close with them um, over quarantine, too. When you play at uh, the Bowery, do you always play trash? We almost always play trash. I think there was one time we didn't, and I have no idea why we didn't do that. <laughs> but, like, yeah, we we almost always play trash anyway because people love that song. That and we play WOW. We've added WOW, I think, in every, no, we didn't play it the other day, but Trash, I think we've done every single set since we've been back. Yeah, it's just that, like, explosion of fire that everybody needs right now. Um, And, uh, yeah, but we actually did a tribute to Johnny Thunders. I think it was Johnny Thunders. We did, like, three songs. We did Jet Boy, and and we did um, Personality Crisis by the Dolls, and then we did uh, Trash, even though they thought we shouldn't do Trash for some reason. I forget why. But uh, we did Trash anyway. Mm But, yeah, I miss doing Jet Boy. Jet Boy was a fun song to do by the Dolls. I love that song. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. so good. And I love it. And your recording of it is so good because I listen, you know, um, been in my car a lot lately, so I crank it up. And when the first time I heard you sing Trash, it was within my car. And, and you know, sometimes you got to be on just the right highway when the right song yeah, comes Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. You got me on the on the highway where there's a lot of room to move. It's yeah, funny because you... little Steven produced that one. He produced that whole oh. doo-wop beginning. That was Steven's idea. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't sell yeah. me that right away either. I was like, eh, it's hmm. a doll, though. And he's like, yup, it's a doll, <laughs> so we're going to do this. And I was like, okay. And I love it. Everybody loves it because it just kicks in so hard when it after that whole, like, 50-sounding uh, beginning. God, he's oh, so yeah. good at what he does. Yeah, I drive a manual transmission, so I really appreciate it and get a lot out of it. Okay, uh, you know, I have just. Yeah, I'm. I'm jealous. I've always wanted to drive manual, and I, I learned sort of once, but I never actually did it. I've never been on a road with a manual. Mm. Oh, you will. That'll be <laughs> one of my missions. How many albums have you made so far? Um, Under Wicked Cool Records, the one we're going in now is our third, but we do uh, two singles between every album. So we've also done four singles, um, five singles, really, because Tight Lift is on the next record, and that came out in January. So, um, But this will be our third album with Wicked Cool. And before that, we did um, our, an EP um, called uh, Less Than Zero, and that kind of, um, I think, got us on the radio there, actually in the Valley of Love and Guns, which I did with John and Billy and Travis, that um, got us our first radio play with Steven and got his, piqued his interest before that. He had heard a song of ours, but um, so I guess that's one, two, three, four albums, five, if I count Shed the Skin. So five albums, a lot of singles, and then uh, one EP, actually two EPs because we did Recipe for Disaster a long, long, long time ago in a galaxy far away. Um, it's hard because we've worked with producers for years now, but um, I keep forgetting Shed the Skin we did, 
and Dirty Lake Soraya. They, Dirty Lake Soraya was our first CD ever that we did. Um, we did our, that was also an EP, really. Um, but yeah, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six albums, maybe. If you count less than zero, but I usually I only count Exit's final. It's really an EP. <laughs> so <laughs> and so, so I haven't much. kept track. I don't, I don't you no what? Huh. I haven't kept track. I feel like I should. You know kept why? Because you've been too busy. No. <laughs> <laughs> you've been for too years, busy making it happen. <laughs> I don't have time to okay. stop and count it. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> I'm going to count it while I'm on the air with you. Oh, my God. No idea. <laughs> Let me think for a second. <laughs> see. Um, and, you know, you've got such a, you know, you've had such a fantastic uh, presence in media and radio. You know, I first heard you, I'll have to admit, from uh, when Palmyra Del Ran played you. Oh. And when I heard that, I thought, well, see, this is why I like to listen to different stations so I can learn something. I've never, you know, I thought. All right. So then I started listening to more and looking up things. Where do you, can I ask you, how do you train your voice? Because you're, you power. You can be powerful and then you can make it beautiful. And then when you, you sometimes have a different way of, of phrasing things. And now that you've told me all the different influences you have, I can get it. But yeah, it's, it's you're, you know, you're always flawless. Do you, is there something special that you, have exercises or special teacher or you don't talk all day before gigs so you can have voice rest? Honestly, I've been going to Katie Agresta for a long, long time. She's a fantastic vocal coach. Um, fantastic. She was based in New York and I would always go, I'd take the train up and I'd go to a lesson and we record every lesson. My first lessons from her are on tape and now they're on my phone, obviously, but, um, but I still feel better on tape, but they're, uh, you know, since COVID hit, I was doing a lot of Zoom, uh, Zoom lessons, and I still do Zoom lessons with her. And, and the more I actually listen to her, the better I got, you know. The more I realize I'm a professional singer and don't pretend to be, like, some, like, idea of what a singer is, which is, like, somebody just hangs out all day and, like, I don't know, does parties and stuff. I'm not that. It's absolutely every singer I know that has any sustainability and has any ability to last through a two- to three-hour show three nights a week um, in a row, that's an immense amount of training they're doing. There's, don't, don't fool yourself. Like I, I go to lessons with her and every day I have to rehearse. And when I don't, I hear it in the show and then I start doing it again. You know, I'm not perfect, but you know, um, I trained hard during, um, and I also trained like an athlete like that. She instilled that in me a long time ago, but I only started doing it really during quarantine. I mean, I still trained, but I didn't train like I trained these last, 15 months um because one of the things she told me when quarantine started she said you know what fishermen do when they can't fish and I said what she goes they fix their nets so that was my opportunity to really work on my voice and um really train it and know that when I went back to everything I wouldn't have that time to do it again and I wouldn't be I'd be you know you're singing with monitors and I'm trying to get in ears right now so I can sing like hear the I'm not that I have a more consistent sound every time I play a different club instead of always relying on their monitors. Um, you know, and, and I just, the more I do what she says, including diet, including what to eat day of show, what to eat the day before the show, what to do for your muscles, the better my voice sounds. And it's funny because the last show I did, I did everything she told me to do. And she's been telling me since day one to do, but I actually did it. And, uh, everybody was like, your voice was like, it was a two-hour show, and they're like, "Your voice is so good." And I think, "Thank you, Katie Agresta, <laughs> and thank you, Zuzu, for finally listening." But you always have to warm up. You always have to warm down, you know. And I always struggled with warming down because, you know, once I'm done, I want to talk after the show, and then I'm too tired to warm down. And she's got me back in that habit. Um, Long term, your voice will last better and be stronger, and, and no show will be better or worse than the last vocally and you know so uh yeah I train it hard I feel like it's an it's a gift and it's an art and I just want to keep getting better I don't know where that comes from and I'm grateful for it because I know not everybody has that and you know Mm. I think when I have a bad show is when I really start growing you know when I have a good show I get lazy like it's just kind of the Mm. way with everything right um really yeah but you do a lot you're gonna you're going to realize that you need to keep mm-hmm. yourself in good shape for your voice, especially touring. 
once somebody yeah. tours and they really are doing it, they know there's no way you can't maintain. <laughs> no way. Yeah. But yeah, I get that about the easy shows and hards. I, Cause I know when, um, cause I ran my jazz band and we did like jazz Latin and then some, you know, like yeah. what I call Euro pop or Amy Winehouse stuff. But I knew that whenever wow. we had problems or once another, um, another chick singer kind of, sabotage me and stuff or different things would go wrong and i would just sit down and think okay i'm glad this happened here and now so that we learn what to do you know yeah. just you know like my guitar teacher would tell me she'd say if your hands are tired or whatever say just think to yourself this is what it feels like to play when you've been working all day and your hands are tired this is what it feels like to play when you haven't had enough sleep just to put that into your head or, or if i had trouble with an agent um i would think okay i can remember back when i didn't have an agent and the, or none of them would return right. my call so if i've got an agent problem i'm doing pretty good that's right yeah at least i got yeah. one <laughs> yeah and, and and the fact that you're aware of it is a big deal because it's really easy to fall into being pessimistic. For me, it is. I, I'm I'm kind of tend towards that, um, and I, I've had to work a really long time to not be that way. Um, and you know, I find when I just do the next right thing, I'm usually on good ground. But we're human, so we don't always do that. And we mm-hmm. learn from the bad. Then we have a bad show, and we go, okay, I'm ready to go back to doing the right thing. <laughs> if somebody writes you did you sang angel horribly, why did you? <laughs> Like, you know, that one bad compliment comment can, like, totally, you know, wipe me out. So I have to uh, I have to do all that's in my power to make sure that that doesn't happen. But, mm. again, we're human. You can only do so much. So. Oh, yeah. By the way, uh, I've only got a few minutes left with Soraya. So if you – I mean, excuse me, Zuzu of Soraya, even though she is Soraya, mm. too, but she's Zuzu of yeah. Soraya. Um, uh, uh, Louise from Missouri uh, said – I'm loving this. I've been listening to Soraya for the last month, and thanks for having her on. And I hope to get to see you. And let's see, she's in Missouri. I don't know where's close to her, but um, maybe the Chicago's or Michigan's will be closer. All right, thank you so much, Louise, for that message. We appreciate that. Um, yeah. And Soraya S O R A I dot com is the website. That way, you can find out the tour watch videos, merch. Hey, let me tell you something. You've got a heck of a merch page, and it's, <laughs> and it's banging. I mean, it's not like just, you know, like, okay. banging. Face it, a lot of people do like a little cafe press and put a picture on something and set it yeah. out the door. But, oh, yeah. no, 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 no. Uh-uh. No. Um, you've even got, when I saw the uh, Hansel and Gretel candles, I thought, dang, they're taking these uh, fairy tales to the next <laughs> Yeah, that's our, you know what, we're really lucky we have artists in our group. Like, Travis makes candles and pins and, like, kind of horror kind of stuff. He made us candles for Valentine's Day, a special deal. Brianna, our drummer, makes candles. That Hansel and Gretel is her creation, and um, she actually does a lot of our artwork. The pictures on the um, on a lot of the T-shirts were designed by her uh, that aren't, photo- I don't think we have photographics. So, yeah, all the, like, there's one of me as, Zudusa, like Medusa with the snakes. And yes, and we have I'm looking some. at that right she now. I love that. it. Is that Dead that. Reckoning? The tote bag. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it was out during Dead Reckoning, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does limited run shirts. She's designed our shirts since 2016 when she joined the band. She's just always creating artwork for our T-shirts, for our um, for our tote bags. So, you know, she did the scarves that we have up there, too. And so... Um, and then uh, sometimes we use outside artwork, which is cool. Like some of our fans mm-hmm. do artwork that's just astonishing. And then we'll put that on something. Um, the lips with the fangs was done by one of our fans. We use that all the time. Coffee cups on, have them. And, yeah, we have a, a lot of merch. <laughs> and if you haven't looked at it yet, folks, if you go to the website, let me just let you know, I have all, I am waiting for my scarf and my voodoo doll in the mail. When I saw Voodoo Doll, I thought this 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 is for me. Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, there's only a few of those left. They were actually left over from Christmas, I think. Oh, Christmas Voodoo Doll, even better. Mm-hmm. So, okay, well, I got I may have to go in and get another one then while you've still got them. I don't want to hog them in case somebody else needs them. So if, that's okay. We we end up making more probably towards the end of the year again. 
How okay. we roll. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we get and bored easily, you... so we start making stuff. So. <laughs> Creative. <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> At some that. point, we're not going to be doing that anymore. I don't know when, but maybe never. But <laughs> get them while they're hot, folks. Get them while they're hot. Get them while they're in. Get them while the voodoo's still in there. And uh, yeah. I can only, I can't say that, um, you know, it's not for amateurs, I don't think. But I can say there was only one thing uh, about your website that I have a concern with, and that is I don't see Atlanta, Georgia on there. So hopefully that'll work out next year. Yeah, you will see that next year. Actually, we just started working with a new booking agent, so uh, and he wanted to take us all over the world in December until I let him know that I'm going away. But um, but he he's we're going to start booking next year, next week, I think. So um, yeah, we're going a lot of different places next year. You'll, a lot of places we've never been too. So I'm very excited. I'm really looking forward to to when the album comes out and touring before and during that, and it's going to be a good 2022 for sure. And still mm-hmm. a good rest of 2021. So. Mm-hmm. And it's, yes. Yeah. Uh, listen, I don't know about you, but this has flown by for me and I've only got a few minutes left with you. And just want to thank you for being so generous with your time and your talent and your music and stories with us. Oh, thank you for having me. I, I really enjoyed the whole thing. It was really a lot of fun. A lot of fun and, and for I, me. Oh, good. Good. So you, you'll come back. You'll have a home in the genie bottle. Oh, I, I would like to. Yeah. Bring the whole band. I'd like to time. stay there. I will. Okay. Actually, they're 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 a lot funnier than me, but uh, I, I I tell better stories. I always tell them that. I say I have better stories. You guys are just more more personality, but that's okay. okay. We each have our own what, thing. One thing I've got to say, and I don't know, you know, I I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, like a really fangirling, but this is legit. You know, speaking of going back to the band jokes, musician jokes. Uh, there used to be one that also said, how many uh, chick singers does it take to sing the song Crazy? And the answer was apparently all of them. Yeah, yeah, I just got it. It yeah. took me a minute because I was like, wait, what? That's Patsy Cline. So my, my brain was nerding yeah. out on that. So I was too busy like going, God, crazy, like in my head singing it. Mm-hmm. And then I got it. But Okay, when uh, you... I have heard a lot of people in the last few years there seems to have be, there seems to have evolved a preponderance of people covering Jolene. Mm-hmm. And to the point of where you think, well, you know, can, can you bring anything new to it? And I have found two versions that did bring something new. One is a husband and wife acoustic duo, and during the the first part of the lockdown, they changed the words to. Jolene, Jolene, I'm begging of you, please come take my man, because he's getting on her nerves <laughs> in the house all the time. <laughs> that I never even thought of that. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Oh, it's funny. I'll send you the link to it. It is hilarious. You know, I'm digging a hole in my backyard in case things get too hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please send that to me. I know but I'm going to end up when, sharing it with everybody. So, Okay. When I heard you sing... Jolene, though, just from the very beginning, and I, I'm a crabbit old bat. This doesn't happen all the time. Chills. Thank you. And I thought, dang, this, you can sing, you can rock hard, but when you did that, Jolene, I mean, it was emotional, and it was sensual, and it just it just, it could just take a good girl down listening to that. So it's like I'm sorry, honey. I, I he's you. I'm sorry. I should have never touched that man. No, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Honestly, I have to tell you, um, I heard the White Stripes do that song before I ever heard uh, Dolly Parton's version. And the way Jack White sung that song from as a man, but singing still honoring the words being a woman, like as a woman singing it. That what he brought to that was the emotion, and what I heard in that song was this emotion that I really connected with, and that I wanted, I wanted to sing the song with that emotion. So I had done that song probably like four or five times in that kind of vibe in that way, and then I heard Dolly Parton's version. I was like, well, this is nothing like that version. I'm like, that's so different. Like the whole mood of it was different. Like it still was powerful, but in a different way. Um, and then when we finally went in and got it produced uh, and and 
did it even in a more almost 70s kind of rock style, a little mm-hmm. bit of, we kind of added a little bit of um, a psychedelic kind of vibe to it, I guess. Um, I, then I really felt like I could make that song even more my own when we did it live after the recording because it evolved so much, right? You know, this as a singer, it evolved from the first time you approach it and what you think it should be to then you go in and you're doing it your way and then you go and record it and then it changes and then you go in, go out of that and you're, you're singing it differently. So, you know, thank you for saying that because that was one of the first songs that I felt strongly attracted to as a cover. So it is, well then let me just say it is your, your, your version is, it's exquisite because like I said, you hear so many songs and then when somebody moves you like that, it, it, you sort of stop and hold your breath for a while and just you just remember that moment, you know, like the way it happened. So thank you for thank you for covering that one. That is uh I feel like that's a gift to your fans. And uh Good. That's that's the intention is to make yeah. you feel something. Yeah. That's why I do Dolly it. Parton's yeah. a heck of a songwriter. So everybody's been saying, I want Dolly for president. I don't want Dolly Parton for president. I want her just to be our queen. Just be the queen. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take her as queen. You know what I yeah. want to tell you to listen to, and this is almost more private, but, but you guys all should listen to it. There was a song she did early in her career called The Bridge. Mm-hmm. The ending of that song leaves me breathless. That's all I'm going to say. Dolly okay. Parton, it's called The Bridge. It's one of her first right. one of her first few albums she ever did. That shows you what kind of songwriter that woman is. I was like, oh, my God. Not exactly what I expected from Dolly Parton. So, powerful song. Okay. All right. Hope listen to it. All right. Well, listen, like I said, you've been so generous with your time, and I, this has just been a fantastic night for me. Um, I got a message in here just a second from Patrick up in uh, Germantown, Maryland. He said, this is the best, one of your best shows ever. Thank you, Patrick. Wow. And it's uh, going to be one of those shows, and it happens once in a while with a guest that after those people go, well, why didn't you ask this? Why didn't you ask that? And I go, well, why didn't you call? <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt. I didn't want to interrupt. I didn't want to say anything. I was scared. So you can't. She's she's nice. You can talk to her. It's okay. Next yeah. time, call in. So thank you so much. Bite. I've got to let you go and rest your voice. And uh, Zuzu, your magic. Thank you for being on the show. And good luck thank to you, you and the entire band. Bring Brianna and Travis, everybody on the show. Um, Sometime and just to give you a taste, if you're one of the few people that haven't heard, and they're on every radio, for God's sake! Oh, did I mention uh, Tight Lips number twenty-three, the Billboard top twenty-five rock mm-hmm. and roll? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> mate. That's no small potato. That's our climber. Yeah, That's that was pretty God. big. That was a big deal for us. That was a big deal for us, and a lot changed just from that. So uh, we worked with a great team that did our video for that, too, during COVID. Fantastic, fantastic team of uh, artists, uh, small team, too. Uh, but you watch the video. The video is amazing. And, that, and um, we're really proud mm-hmm. of that one. We're proud of how it did. All right. Well, you can hear that lady counting down. You should be proud. Uh, hear that lady counting down. So I'm going to leave with a little teaser, and I'll be sharing all the information on uh, Zuzu and her band Soraya on all of my social media. And... Uh, Oh, yeah. Terrible part. Susan, thank mm-hmm. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we love you. We love you. Oh, baby, be my thumb and yeah. When you sing your song. Tiger, tiger, bunny, brighter. I want to come along. I drink the juice down. Kill, eat to be eaten.
Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.